Hello, and welcome to What the Denmark, the show that decodes Danish culture. As well as our in-depth research that explains why something so normal in Denmark is confusing to outsiders, we also want to shine a light on people adapting to the Danish way of life. These episodes will feature an interview with someone about what they have learned from living in Denmark, how this compares to their home culture, and any things they wish they had learned earlier. What the Denmark is all about resolving cultural confusion, and so the more we can talk about these differences, both serious and, let's be honest, funny, the better. If you or someone you know has some interesting tips or stories to share, then stick around to the end for details on how to appear on the show. Okay, let's get started. In this episode, my guests are Anne and John, an American couple whose interest in moving to Copenhagen began just over a year ago when Anne received a new job offer. After a lot of research and several pros and cons lists, they came to the decision that Denmark would make a perfect new home and that Danish life was worth the nine-hour flight back to visit friends and family in the US. I'm Anne Jameson. I am American. We moved here in... What, June of 2021, I moved here because I got a job at the at Copenhagen Business School in the Department of International Economics, Government and Business. So I'm working as an assistant professor there. And I'm John Bennett, and I'm also American, and I moved here because I am married to someone who got a job <laughs> at Copenhagen Business School in the Department of Economics, Government and Business, and that's about the long and short of why I ended up here. So, and you were saying that you've, you've lived in six continents yeah i was just reviewing my head i think it's actually five but i think this is the 10th country i've lived in it's clear that Anne and john are no strangers to trying out new places having lived in dubai for a year before moving here i was curious about what had initially attracted them to the idea of life in denmark just the emphasis that everyone put on quality of life and work-life balance and amount of leave and just sort of the low anxiety lifestyle of living here was a big thing. The emphasis on how people here are very into like entertaining in the home and they love like candles and cozy spaces and all of these things and they like to be outside. And I was reading all these descriptions and I was like, that sounds like me. And then incidentally, as I was thinking about all of this and, you know, talking to my family about this decision, I discovered that I'm in fact almost half Danish. And I was like, wow, that's fascinating. Maybe it's in my blood and that's why I like all of these things, but probably everybody just likes being outside. (laughs) I don't know. We also, you know, coming from Dubai, there were, there were aspects of living there that we were starting to get a little bit frustrated with. You know, it's a place where everybody takes a car everywhere. It's impossibly hot out. There's the air quality is really poor. There's not there's not really like good public green space or anything. So your entertainment options are basically sort of frivolous spending, you know, restaurants, shopping malls, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's no sense of community because everybody's very like transient and it's a, it's like a pure expat culture. And then Copenhagen was just this like just radically different in every possible way. So it was it was sort of just like a, yeah, just like an incredible, like, course correction, I guess you yeah. could say. Okay. You said um, low anxiety. I thought it was quite an interesting phrase. I borrowed it from a friend who said it. But he, yeah, the way he was describing it, and I agree with him, is that because there is a social safety net, because you don't need to have 
you know, tons of money saved up in case you have a medical emergency because you have, um, you know, the government if you become unemployed, etc. I think there are just fewer things for people to be like deeply stressed about. And then on top of that, you have all of this leave and, you know, stress leave and all of these other options. And so it's just kind of like, what can you really get that worked up about? Dubai is often characterized as a place of luxury shopping and lively nightlife, an image that feels drastically different to that of Denmark's. And do you think people live, I guess modestly is a word, but people here, I feel like the expectation on a Friday night at least in the summer, is, oh, let's bike down to the dock and sit there with a blanket and go into the convenience store and get a bottle of rosé and some strawberries for, you know, a grand total of, like, $30 maybe across everybody. Whereas in a place like Dubai, the expectation is, let's all take an Uber across town because there's no other way to get around. Well, it's a Kareem there, but whatever. Let's all take a car across town. Okay, that's 50 bucks. Then we're going to go to this, like, $150 $150 a head restaurant and then we're going to go out to some like fancy bar where you know you're wearing five inch heels and it's just like a very very different expectation for what people will do to entertain themselves. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Whereabouts in America are you from? I'm originally from Boston but have lived all around. I'm from a city called Milwaukee. It's close to Chicago. Two cities sort of sit on the Denmark-Dubai spectrum. In, in, in let's see, I like this example of Friday night. Yeah. Going to hang out with friends. Like, where, where, where would it be? I think that it would be somewhere in the middle, leaning closer to the Denmark side of things. But I think there's, I mean, there's so much variation by city in the U.S. and by pockets of cities. Like, there's certainly, I think, parts of New York or D.C. where the expectation is going to be closer to the Dubai reality. But I think there are suburbs of Boston where the reality is much closer to like we're just going to go to the beach or hang out on the boat or something much more casual. I think I think Milwaukee, my home city, is actually quite similar to Copenhagen in a lot of ways. Um, I would say it's quite close to Denmark on that spectrum. It's you know, it's. um, it's the middle of the U.S., which is sort of known for being a little bit more of a laid back, uh, a bit more of a, a chiller, I guess you could say, more modest sort of culture compared to what you would get in uh, New York or Washington or L.A. or that sort of place. Um, but I think the, the big difference is that even that, you know, sort of spontaneous Friday evening, let's go down to the dock with a bottle of wine. It's a little bit different because... M- pretty much all American cities are geographically way, way, way more spread out and way less accessible than Copenhagen. So usually you, you still got to get in a car, you know, go across town. You got to sort of put a good amount of thought into, okay, how are we going to coordinate everybody getting together? Whereas here you're never more than, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes away from, yeah, from wherever you want to go or wherever your friends are. And there are so many nice public spaces throughout the city that A, there's probably something close. B, it will be clean. C, it will not be so crowded that it's, mm-hmm. you know, impossible to go. So that, I think, also helps. Aside from new ways to relax on a Friday night, there's always a lot to learn on the work side of things. Starting a new job in any new country means getting to grips with some unusual cultural differences too. I asked Anne if she had noticed anything unexpected. One is people are just so relaxed. I think in 
people like colleagues colleagues yeah. yeah i think in american offices in my own experience there's this sort of uh, you get points for being busy and staying late and that's sort of how you show your commitment to the team and your commitment to your work and the fact that you're checking your emails at 7 a.m. and 10 p.m. and you're not taking days off and all these things. It shows that you're committed, whereas I think Danes seem to sort of think the opposite where it's like they think that you're inefficient mm -hmm. if you are working late they think that you just there's some mismatch between what you've been assigned to do and what you can actually do and therefore they need to help you solve some sort of problems that you can get your life back in balance to the point where when I was going through my interviews with CBS they brought this up and they were like you can't like stay in the office until 7 p.m. because you'll create this competitive weird atmosphere and you'll inflict stress on your colleagues and they were like we've had problems with Americans doing this before I feel like every city has something that people compete on. So in Washington, D.C., people compete on how much sort of quote-unquote political power they have and which political people they know. In L.A., it's like, which director could you text right now to go to their parties? In New York, it's like, which bank do you work for and how high up and whatever. And in Copenhagen, I feel like it's how well did you relax? Like people will come to the office on Monday morning and they'll be like, yeah, and then I sat in my garden for three hours and then I had a sauna and then I read a book and then I got to go for a swim. <laughs> and in the US it'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, like I worked all weekend, lots going on, da da da, da. Yeah. Maybe not everyone, I'm sort of characterizing yeah. here. Is listening to Anne and John's story of moving to Denmark filling you with dread? Or perhaps inspiration? If the latter, then you're in luck. Denmark needs more international people to move here and work. Being a small country, there's only so much tech and other talent that's available, and lots of aspiring Danish companies are actively trying to hire internationals. These companies typically work in English, often are doing something interesting, and working for them means you get to live in one of the happiest and, as we've heard, lowest anxiety, countries in the world. To learn more, go check out the State of Denmark's website. There you can sign up to job alerts from Danish companies looking for internationals and read more about what your everyday life in Denmark could be like. Head to www.state-of-denmark.com forward slash WTD. The link is also in the show notes. Okay, back to the show. When I first started work in Denmark, I was surprised by the flat hierarchy structures within workplaces. Everyone's opinion is valid, and you're expected to speak up in meetings, even if you're the intern. To learn more about this, you can listen back to our episode on flat hierarchies from season one. But it's not only the business environment where this can be seen, and discovered that it's also visible in academic settings. A different cultural difference is the flat Danish hierarchy or lack of hierarchy definitely comes into play, especially in the, or I don't know if it's especially, but in the university setting. So in the U.S. it would be, you know, Professor Jameson and, you know, there's sort of a level of deference per se mm -hmm. to the professor just sort of because that is your quote-unquote rank. Yeah, exactly, between the students and the professors. And here, you know, you call your professor by your first name and the, the requests I get from 
students, and I don't think this is just me because my colleagues have said the same, because otherwise you might just say, oh, it's because you're young and a woman, but I actually, no, I think it's more than that. Like, people will email a couple of hours before a 200-person lecture and be like, hey, can you move the lecture earlier? It's like, that would never happen in the US. I mean, this is not, this doesn't bother me, it's just, it's just different. It just took a moment to sort of get used to. Have you, on the flip side, have you made any bold claim or bold requests? So it's, it's kind of the opposite. So in the US, you could tell, you can tell students, and most people do tell students on the first day, you know, like, you can't use your laptop in class, or you will turn in your homework, or you will not come to my class later, I won't let you in, or like, if you use a cell phone, I will kick you out, or like, you know, you can sort of set these rules, whereas it's totally different in Denmark. So I can't, I don't have the authority to tell students, like, you can't use your laptop in our discussion section, or something like that, which is kind of bizarre. What's funny is like, my idea of what constitutes a bold request does not, does not, you know, register as anything out of the ordinary in Denmark. So even, I don't know, just little things that sort of take some like cultural deprogramming, like we're about to go away for our summer holidays. And like the idea that I was going to take off several weeks consecutively from work and then put like an out of office message that says, I won't be checking my emails is like, a crazy bold thing to do yeah. like how, like wow what kind of a like a like a really harsh boundary are you trying yeah. to set right now like that sounds pretty passive aggressive doesn't it like yeah. no that's what everybody says for the next three weeks this is my first out of office email responder in i don't know 10 years or something yeah. have i ever even had one before i don't actually i don't know if i've ever had one before yeah. Um, so we're, we're far, far from pushing the Danish definition of boldness. Okay, yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the classic uh, example. We're a work in progress. The classic example that was that like meme that goes around Instagram about, you know, I'm off frolicking in the hills of Sweden. I'll be back in two months on September 1st. If you have an emergency call, whatever the equivalent of 911 is here. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, well, it's kind of true. <laughs> yeah. I'm receiving a ounce of office that was... I'm almost on holidays, I'll be back in five weeks. And I was like, that is like a legit sabbatical. You know, like <laughs> but this is just like a summer holiday. Yeah. It was mad. Which is a blessing and a curse, I think, to some degree, because it is absolutely difficult to get things done in this part of the world, I think, in late June, July, mm. August. Like, for example, I went to pick up a package the other day. I showed up and my package had just arrived. And they're like, go, you know, go pick it up, fine. I walk to the store and it's like, the package pickup store is closed from July 1st to August 1st for summer holidays. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to get my package? And then I moved to my next errand on the list and I had to call someone and it was like, our telephone line is down from June 15th to August 15th for summer holidays. And I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna do any errands today. This isn't gonna happen. Have you got your package? No. No. Like, uh, so I emailed the people who sent the package because the email was like, it will be returned to sender if you don't pick it up by July 5th. And I emailed them. I was like, hey, the package door is closed. This might come back to you, but I still want it. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's a bummer that the shop's closed. And I was like, indeed, it is a bummer. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's, it's not just with the work-life boundaries. I guess it's with all sorts of boundaries, but particularly with that where it's just, yeah, I mean, we're closed. So... There's just literally nothing we can do. Sorry, it's just, that's how it's gonna be, you know? Like, wish I could help, but ah, sorry, like, you're just gonna have to deal with the automated system. The general availability of customer service is 
radically different, shall we say, <laughs> between the US and are, Denmark. Um, are you are you warm to it in any way or is it just an annoyance? Truthfully, it's just an annoyance. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay because no place is perfect and in general I think it's great here. But no, that's just annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I yeah, can I put a redeeming spin on it? I don't know. No, yeah. I can, all I can say is that the only redeeming spin is that people here have great work-life balance and get to take time off and that is great. And it is sometimes very inconvenient for other people. And that's okay. It is what it is. Outside of work and trying to pick up packages during the summer, how does one spend this newfound time off? Meeting new people in any country you move to can always be tricky. Anne and John are both pretty on it, if you know what I mean. And so I wanted to know how they have met new people. How easy has it been for them to make friends with Danes or people in Denmark? So we were quite lucky in that a couple of our really good friends, like people who were invited to our wedding before we knew we were ever moving here, happened to already live here. Mm-hmm. So that was super helpful. They did both They did both move within uh, four or five months of us getting here, but we were lucky because they were able to introduce us to some people and then had a bunch of friends of friends. And so I think we had a little bit of a head start on that, which was really helpful. When I first got to Dubai, I, f- I felt like it was maybe a little bit easier there than it, it is here because it's it's a totally transient place. Everybody's away from home, so everybody's kind of mm-hmm. looking for their little pockets of community. Whereas in Denmark, it, it is such a close-knit community already. You know, the Danes are you know, never more than two degrees of separation, it seems like sometimes. So I think it's a little bit more, or at least it feels, I mean, maybe they're not actually, you know, any more closed off to being friends with you than anyone else, but it's it's maybe more intimidating to try and break into what already feels like a very well-constructed community. Um, but that having been said, you know, there's always a community of Americans in any big city anywhere you go to, and yeah. I think it's, it's been easier for us to, to break in with that crowd. Yeah, I think there's been, I think there's, one exception to a rule that I read in a book that seems to be true here. The rule was you, as a foreigner, will not make friends with a Dane unless A, they have lived abroad themselves, B, they are married to someone international or you know partnered with someone international, or C, they have just moved from a different part of the country and therefore they don't have all of their high school friends here. And I have found exactly one exception to that rule thus far. But I do think the point about social circles being smaller is true. I read before I came that Danes, for lack of a better way of putting it, sort of take friendship more seriously. So I think Americans, I, may, I should only speak for myself here, I might meet somebody one time or two times and be like, oh, my friend so-and-so. And I don't mean like my best friend who I'm going to call every two weeks for the rest of my life. I mean like... We might be like Facebook or Instagram friends, and if they move to some random city and I happen to be there, I might hit them up and they're my quote-unquote friend. Whereas here, I think if somebody is going to consider you their friend, they mean like I'm sort of committing myself mentally to be able to make time for you on some sort of regular schedule. Every three weeks. Uh, Exactly. And if I don't have time for that, then I don't have time for more friends. And I think many Americans have more of sort of like an almost an informal tier system in their mind where you have your your best friends and you have your close friends, then you have your, I don't know. Yeah, sure. 
Um, but it seems a little bit more casual. Like I've never once thought to myself, I don't have room for more friends. But I think Danes might actually think that. Denmark is often considered one of the world's greenest countries. In the capital city, Copenhagen, the government has invested lots to reduce air and water pollution. So for a city of over 800,000 people, it's surprisingly clean. A big thing that I did not have specific expectations about that surprised me because I was not expecting to see this in any major city was just how clean it is here. I just would sort of categorically assume that any city of a million people or more is just going to be a fundamentally dirty place. It's just where on the dirty spectrum are you? But um, I mean, the fact that you can swim in the canal here is crazy. It's totally ridiculous. Or like when we first got here, um, you know, I would, you know, of course we got here in the middle of Danish summer, so the weather is super nice. So I would go out running every day and I would just pull up my phone and go on Google Maps and look for any patch of green on Google Maps that I could find that was within running distance. And then I would just say, I'm going to run there today. I have no idea what this patch of green is. I assume it's probably a park, but we're going to find out. Mm. And I ended up in some of like the most strange random parks, like out in the middle of nowhere, like where the, the metro doesn't run. And they were all just like beautifully groomed and well attended to. It was just sort of, it was just remarkable. Even in parts of town that are otherwise, you know, maybe not a place I'd be drawn to, the parks are super lovely. So yeah, yeah I was just absolutely smitten with like the green spaces here and the, and the cleanliness of the water. And like, yeah, that whole thing was really great. Besides the cleanliness, which is a pretty positive surprise, I wondered if there was anything that Anne and John had been caught out on since moving here. We're American, so if we invite someone for a dinner party at 7.30, we anticipate they'll show up around 7.45, 7.50, maybe 8. And I think I would go so far as to say that in American culture, it would be rude to show up immediately on time. And certainly it would be extremely rude to show up a few minutes early because somebody is still running around with like their hair in the towel cleaning a toilet. Yeah. And here, people are going to show up immediately on the dot and it's rude to be late. It's like, that's, a, that's just a useful thing yeah. to know if you're going to exist here. Like, like Danes have got some sort of incredible internal clock yeah. of being able to arrive at a destination at the exact time. Yes. It's some kind of intuition. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's the predictability of knowing reliability of transport or something like there probably won't be traffic or something but that and i don't think danes are like oh well i got stuck at work late for an hour therefore they can tell you reliably i will be there at this time i've seen i've seen there's a certain relationship with time here that's just much more um i don't know what i would call it if it's more just precise i guess than what we're used to but you know at work i'll have a, a you know a meeting invite that's sent to me from 10 until 10.25, rather than just a 10.30, because you know I need to allow five minutes to walk to my next meeting. So. Which you actually uh, need, so okay, I think that's you know, great. I guess that's I'm great. I'm totally I, for that. I, I kind of felt like that was unspoken and that was understood, but glad we've, we've sort of, we've, we've now programmed that in unambiguously. Danes have a lot of unique traditions and cultural celebrations. One of these happens each summer around the time of high school graduation. One thing that was surprising to me and was particularly prominent because I moved here in June, 
So, I mean, for those listening that aren't familiar, when Danish students graduate high school, they take these party buses around the city, and, and so they're they're drinking and they're you know leaning out the windows and singing songs very loudly and splashing in the fountains and it's a whole thing and they take these tours around the city and so when i first got here someone explained that to me but what was so wild to me is that people on the streets will see these buses and they will run over and start like cheersing the students yeah. and clapping and waving and they're just so sort of excited for them and i feel as though if you were to do that in some American city, people would be just like, go home, you drunk people in the middle of the day. Like, let me sit here and have my coffee in peace. Like, I certainly don't think they would be running over and cheersing them. And I feel like there's this really sort of communal vibe where people are excited that other people are happy, like, which is there's, just there's like so a, nice. A contagious it's just a very or, nice yeah. vibe. Thanks for listening to this episode of What the Denmark. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, then head over to whatthedenmark.com and also search for What the Denmark on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in appearing on the show, then you can get in touch via the website, whatthedenmark.com forward slash contact. A big thanks to Anna DeWolf for producing and Tevin Sudi for editing the show. As always, time for our Danish sign-off. Vises Nestegaard. like the sarcasm and the government notices here. I okay. think that's hilarious. Like, for example, there's a dock near here and there's a sign that says, we know that it is tempting and is is capitalized, but you cannot swim here. Or the, I saw a government sign the other and we day definitely that don't had, swim there, by the way. That had, yeah, never <laughs> swam there. had the F word with, you know, yeah. with asterisks in it, like bleeped out, but like there was an F word and the government noticed. And I was like, <laughs> I love this.